Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Pass Radio, America's weekly motorcycle talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. This is Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latrell. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. In typical Red Bud fashion, fans showed up in droves to spend the weekend partying and celebrating our sport, motocross. It's the Olympics of motocross, or like they say in France, la motocross des nations, took place this past weekend on U.S. soil, and many of us U.S. fans had high hopes that the coveted Chamberlain Trophy might stay here in the United States. Our chosen squad, including Eli Tomac, Justin Barsha, and Aaron Plessinger, rode their tails off, but in the end finished only sixth. Surprisingly to some, Australia was leading at one point. A crash for Kirk Gibbs brought that to an end. The Spaniards were strong as well, but couldn't put it all together. And many of us expected Belgium to run up front, and at one point they were in contention for the overall. A crash for Clement Desal, the same crash that Kurt Gibbs was involved in, brought their hopes to a screeching halt. In the end, it came down to a slugfest between France and Italy, with France emerging as top dog again. We'll be talking about that during the program today. And how about Team Puerto Rico, guys? Pastrana, Sipes, Wyndham. K-Dub. How cool. They won the B-Main, advanced to the A-Main, and uh, we'll talk more about that in a bit. Later in the program, we're going to cover the MotoGP in Thailand with results as well as the final AFT Series flat track race that took place in New Jersey and the upcoming World Superbike Race in Argentina this weekend. So there's lots to talk about. This is Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. I'm Tony Wink. With me is PJ Dorn and Roman Avila. Producers of the program are Jack and Leanne DeLeon. Our contributors include Tommy Boy Halverson and Chris Bishop. On the show today, we're going to talk to a few people. Aaron Plessinger, actually, who uh, just raced for the United States in the Motocross of Nations, Red Bud, this past weekend, we're going to talk to him. He's up first, Kyle Redman, who's racing the Enduro Cross Series. He's, uh, I believe, fourth in that series right now. So we're going to talk to Kyle. Ryan McCarthy, a guy I actually hung out with all weekend. I didn't go to Red Bud. I was uh, selected to be the guy for Wiseco because, you know, I'm a Wiseco employee, to go to uh, Lake Havasu and suffer through the Jet Ski World Finals all week. It was tough. I bet it was fun. Uh, it was, I'm sure he, it was super hard for it you. It was so good, actually. But, uh, <laughs> of course, we were all we were all at the jet ski races watching the MotoGP on TV. So Ryan McCarthy is the owner of Rhino Power, and I hung out with him this week, and he is uh, partners with, of course, uh, Ryan Hughes, Ryan, Rhino Power. And so Ryan's going to be on, talk about his products. Bryce Prince, who finished overall in fourth in the Moto America Supersport class, he's going to be on, so we're going to talk road racing. And then Kobe Carlisle, who uh, is a AFT singles racer. So a flat track, another flat track racer. So we got a full show. Before we um, uh, get going, uh, PJ, you're uh, have you are you back with BN Sports yet? 
I am not, and it's breaking my heart. I uh, am starting to explore my options, but I think I'm just going to buy the MotoGP season pass for the end of this season. There's four races to go. I want to see them. They'll sell tough you times. a partial. It is tough times. We just need to send you some. Gonna have some. to. Oh, that'd be just fine with me. I'll <laughs> I'll go to every last one of them. Uh, I'll tough it out and go He'll all over Europe. All right. Uh, joining us now is Yamaha racer Aaron Plessinger, race for Team USA this year, this past weekend, at the 2018 Motocross of Nations at Redbud in Southern Michigan. Aaron, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just kind of trying to recuperate. Just got back from uh, Redbud and. Uh, yeah, just kind of chilling out for right now. Are you rethinking the hair? No. <laughs> no. no way. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely it's... not. I don't. Uh... <laughs> it's still dyed, <laughs> isn't it? Still, the dye's yeah, still in yeah, there. It's definitely yeah. still dyed. I think it looks a little bit better now. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, tell us about it. I mean, obviously, we, we wanted to go in there, and we, you know, we high hopes with it being on U.S. soil, and we thought, oh, it's red bud. Of course, Mother Nature threw, threw a monkey wrench in there, and, you know, all those fast those fast sweeping outside sand turns that that redbud is famous for you know were not there it was a swamp out there so it was ruts it was a, definitely a different track that you raced than you raced on uh, July 4th weekend but tell us about how it went oh uh, yeah it was it was definitely rough um yeah they uh i think they <clears throat> they they brought in uh, a bunch of sand and um you know it, it rained and it definitely shaped up as a different different track than what we we did uh this summer so it was it was definitely tough so um yeah i was i was kind of i don't know it was, it was all hyped up and um i was ready to go and and that that crash in the in the qualifying race kind of kind of hindered me a little bit and um yeah i mean not not real good starts and uh i i crashed twice in the first uh what the first main or first moto on sunday so it was um definitely an experience but uh you know i mean i don't know it was it was definitely a rough time (laughs) there's a lot of guys that crashed though i mean it wasn't just you there was you could tell it was struggle city for a bunch of guys it was a rough track yeah it was rough the thing that blows me away is is the the top few guys they didn't look like they were on a rough track. They didn't look like they didn't look like they were flossing like like you guys looked in July, you know. But still, they it just seemed like they motored through stuff pretty dang well. I was, I was really impressed. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely they're definitely a talented group over there. Um, they uh, they definitely got skills. But you know, I mean, we've been off for six weeks and um, haven't been racing racing every weekend, and uh, they they kind of. I feel like they they had a a pretty good flow going into uh, into that weekend, but I mean, shoot, it was it was their race, you know. It was I mean, Netherlands kind of blew everybody away. <laughs> it was um, it was kind of I mean, it was a shame that they didn't win because they they kind of they kind of killed everybody. But um, you know, it was uh, it was definitely. An and experience and um the fans dude they were they were crazy i mean i i seen some i seen one dude dressed up in a red uh, american flag song and walking around <laughs> like that all day yeah like, he i think he was on racer x or he was on a video that i saw yeah that was 
that was crazy. I mean, it was it was definitely. Uh, Have you ever been to one though before? No, nah, that was my first. Like, Ridiculous! I went to the one at Bud's Maybe. Creek. Um, what, what year was that? When uh, Villapoto won on the two fifty and yeah, killed everybody. Oh my 07? gosh! Yeah, yeah, something like that. We went out for that one and. Same deal, man. Party and chainsaws and American flags and just the coolest. You know, you get obviously it's more fun when your your team's winning, but it was just just the atmosphere and like there was no attitude between the fans and you know like we partied with guys from Estonia and just like it was so cool and and we were swapping gear out. Like I had Team USA stuff that we had made. They had you know their country stuff that we were you know none of it fit because I'm too fat for it all, but still. <laughs> It was still cool though. Like it was, it's such a neat atmosphere, and and I think that's what's cool about about uh, the motocross the nations, and especially being here. You know, that's like, the, I, I think the the U.S. fans too were are especially you know they're excited to see riders from other countries, and especially the GP guys because we've you know we we don't we don't get a chance to see them very often. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole event was was so fun i mean even though even though we didn't do what we wanted to do i i still had so much fun and even getting to getting to race all those guys that that i never get to race and and meeting all of them like hurlings and uh you know i met ben watson he's uh he's a really cool kid and you know it was it was one of the best experiences of my life pretty i mean i'm pretty sure and uh you know i mean even though we didn't do good, I uh, I still had the, one of the best times of my life. Aaron, let's go back to what you said earlier about the flow and the guys, the MXGP guys. Tony and I were talking about this earlier, and, and this was kind of my, my theory. Um, we had talked about this leading up, but the timing of this race versus our schedule, our outdoor schedule, kind of puts you guys, I think, at a disadvantage because you guys have been off for a while without racing. Yes, you guys have been testing and, and riding, I mean, still, but, um, you know, Brayton said it many times, hey, there's nothing like racing versus just, just riding. Do you think that maybe that layoff maybe played a role into the weekend at all, or do you think it was just, that's just what happened? I think, yeah, um, some of it, uh, for sure. They, uh, they definitely were in a flow and, um, that, I don't know. I mean, we, we had been off. I mean, we, I took two weeks off of doing anything and, uh, I went and visited my family and, and, uh, let them meet my, meet my baby boy that I just had. And, uh, you know, um, I mean, there, there's a, there's a lot of speculations you could you could add in there, but I mean they, they beat us fair and square. <laughs> we look at uh, like we were talking about Marvin not being selected for the French team, and we're like, what are they thinking? Like he's that he's raced that track, yeah, and then um, you, you know it proved out that they they you know the guys that selected the team looked pretty smart. Um, well, Tixier had a little problem, but I mean, he was there, ended up being their weak link. But I mean, overall, they still won it. Yeah, for sure, and and, and they scored a lot more points this year. If you think about it, they, it was like I think they scored like thirty some points, 
to win that. So it was everybody had their their issues, you know. So to, to, for people that are listening, don't know, it's like golf. The the lower the score, the better. And first place pays one point, second place pays two, and on and on down. So they, uh, I think they they scored like thirty five points or something. So it was to, for the overall, and that's you know back back when uh, yeah they only Carmichael was racing it and winning it. You couldn't. He didn't have that luxury of of, no. of uh, being able to score that many points. So it's a different program, and I I don't know if it's uh, I definitely think you're right, Roman. I think that there's there's got to be a disadvantage that these guys are just you know they're 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 in like right in the middle of their season basically, or, or you know what I mean. Just, they just finished up last well, weekend right, in Italy. But what that's what I'm saying. They're they're uh, you know they're not testing for Supercross. They're not going to meet their you know they're not doing family, family time and stuff like that. And it's I I think. And we had uh, David Coombs on a, a while back, Aaron, and he said, you know, basically that if it wasn't in the United States, he didn't think anybody would want to go because it, they're in the midst of doing Supercross, you know, or or, or getting geared and, up to do Supercross, or, or get and getting ready to, for for um, Monster Energy Cup. I mean, sure. that's just coming right up. Yeah, yeah, that's actually this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, um, it. I don't know. I mean, it's it was it was a totally different track. Like in all the years that I've I've went to Redbud, I've never seen it shape up the way that it did. And I mean, <laughs> I had never ridden on really anything like what it shaped up to be. And uh, it seemed like those guys just took to it and and uh, rode like it was their own backyard. What's with the giant jump in front of Larocco's leap? Uh, <laughs> I don't even know. I I have no clue. I think that uh, they they didn't really want people to uh, jump it, but well, they did. People still did. <laughs> but why did they do? I don't get that. Why would they not want that? I mean, that's a that's the most iconic jump on a, a thing about. Redbud. It's other than it happens on America's birthday every year, you know. It's it's that's it's Larocco's leap. That's the jump that people. That's that's what it's what's famous for. I, I can't. I don't understand that. Yeah, I I have no clue. Um, it beats me, man. I, I have not a clue. Back to the crowds, uh, Aaron. There were record crowds i mean tony have you you've been there going there a lot longer than i have i've been there a number of times for the national and i thought wow this is a well-attended event i had friends that went to this event and they're like six times more people than you've ever seen at redboard is what was happening there were entire fields that you couldn't even cross there right. was no chance of walking across them right yeah yeah it was it was uh it was the most people i've ever seen at a dirt bike track and outdoor um and yeah, I mean they were. How many gallons of booze were were? How many th- how many how gallons? many illegal fireworks? Yeah. Gallons of booze, fireworks, <laughs> dude. That I mean, that's half the reason I I'm always on the fence about going to Redbud, even how, though it's close. How many to me. couches can they light on fire yeah. at I'm once? Always, I'm always like, I don't know how much of that I can put up with. But motor, <laughs> well, I knew this weekend was going to be. We're insane. getting older, and that's part of it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as it grows, it gets it gets more wild. I uh, yeah, I think I, I heard something was on fire this weekend, but I'm not sure what it was. I know, I know there was a bunch of fireworks going off and uh, a bunch of chainsaws, and I think uh, I think 
what was it sunday night i heard a heard a two-stroke ripping around about 11 o'clock at night <laughs> so it was it was pretty uh it was pretty eventful for sure hey so aaron you're talking and you're talking about the netherlands earlier and they should have won it i mean they got third with 41 points with two riders because of calvin Vlander getting hurt uh and then not racing again uh i mean they had hurlings one golden off one i mean Koldenhoff went 1-1 for the weekend, and, and Hurlings went 1-2. I mean, yeah. those guys. <laughs> and, and I agree with you. I, you know, they talked about putting a lot of sand out there. They put a lot of sand out there. That was the yeah. sandiest track that I have ever seen at Redbud. And um, I've been there for National. And actually, it's my birthday is right around the national i'm my birthday's on the second obviously the the fourth of july weekend is is so if you want right to get there. him something next year yeah you know <laughs> free pit pass something whatever uh but uh you know i had not seen that track that sandy and it just kind of seemed like it was a uh very euro-esque type track Oh, you think they did that? You think Amy and Tim Ritchie did that because so, no, they didn't want to see the – No. Oh, so it's a conspiracy thing is what you're saying. I'm not saying anything <laughs> like Here that. Here we go. Yeah. What about moving the start? Did they did they move the start, it looked like? Yeah, yeah, they did. did they? they actually – they, like, they like rotated it to where the first corner was a 180 instead of a 90. The right-hander. Instead of it turning left, it was a right-hand right-hander. The, the yep. 180 right – yeah. What did you think? Was that better or not as good? Uh, I mean, it was pretty good. I mean, that that was, um, I mean, I don't, I think it made it a little safer for sure. Um, I think, uh, there's pileups though. Were the other way, it, it might have been a little hairy going into that, that hairpin. <laughs> yeah. We've, uh, I've raced some, uh, vet nationals and stuff there in the last few years. And uh, the the left hander, and then as soon as you start to turn right, always created for old guys. It always created problems. We always would you'd always have pileups there. And uh, even though a right hand turn doesn't seem as safe, you know it is a one eighty. So everybody's at least jamming on the brakes and slowing down. So I I get it. Um, are you so you doing the op- the uh, the U.S. Open? Are you doing the Monster Cup? Uh, I'm not. Um, no. You know, I, I have need a break. 450. Uh, been a long time, and um, I kind of want to get testing done a little bit on it before I go to a gate drop. Sure. Well, man, it's been cool having you on, and, and we're really proud of you. And, and I know sixth place isn't what you guys had had envisioned and and wanted to go there doing, but still, we're uh, we're behind you 100, percent and we we appreciate you going over there and. And representing the United States as well as you did. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. And yeah, like I said, even though we didn't do what we wanted to do, we uh, I still learned a lot, and uh, I really enjoyed racing those guys. And uh, it was a cool experience for sure. Right on. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got Kyle Redman lined up. This is Pit Pass. Stay tuned. There's more right after this. Hi, this is Doug Henry, Adaptive Snowcross, Winter X Games Gold Medalist, and you're listening to Pit Pass. 
Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard pack supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions and it's now available in a new force model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes the newest addition is the v-line do all vrm 340 a heavy duty off-road tire that is dot approved most of the tires are available in the new slow rebound tacky compound for extremely technical environments it's v rubber and the tacky tires the choice of sherco off-road racers say when using a tacky it's almost like cheating it's v rubber Hey, Moto fans, we do our best to keep you in touch with what we're doing through our website, iHeartRadio, Facebook, Twitter, and more. Well, now you can listen to Pit Pass Radio on your handheld device anytime with the all-new Pit Pass app for Android or iPhones. Go to your app store now and download the new app, Pit Pass, at no charge. Yes, we have an app for that. It's the all-new Pit Pass app. Get it today. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is 1460 KXNO. The Yamaha YZF R3 Sport Bike at Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes is the most exciting and affordable way ever to join the exclusive world of Yamaha R-Series Superbike Performance. It features a potent fuel-injected 321cc liquid-cooled parallel twin engine for great acceleration, a slim, lightweight chassis for sporty, agile handling, a low seat height to get both your feet firmly on the ground for added confidence, plus legendary Yamaha Superbike styling guaranteed to turn heads, all at a super value. No wonder Cycle World calls it a bargain, and Revzilla hails it the new king of the hill when it comes to entry-level lightweight sport bikes. Visit Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes today to see the incredible Yamaha R3. And for more information, visit YamahaMotorsports.com. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeve shirt, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Don't wait another minute for that new dream home you've always wanted. I'm Tony Wink for Jack Daly on Construction. For 66 years, the DeLeon family has been building custom homes, existing home remodeling, and adding on for customers across central Iowa. The DeLeons will offer you one-on-one attention that the big builders simply can't. They'll walk you through the process so you'll get the home that you want. Jack works well with your plans or can show you from his library of over 1,200 house plans. He'll make your dreams a reality. Call the DeLeons at 515-321-5225. Tell them you heard about them on Pit Pass Radio and receive 5% off the price. Jack DeLeon Construction, serving Iowa since 1946. I'm Jessica Patterson, Women's Motocross Champ, and you're listening to Pit Pass Radio. Five years ago, Fly Racing's light hydrogen line was the first true lightweight racewear to the market and the original gear line to define the minimalist lightweight category. But when you're on the gas, you got to stay on the gas, and that's what they've done. They've uh, they've developed what they call the BOA system, and it's a revolutionary weight waste adjustment system that offers fast on-the-fly micro adjustability with a truly dialed-in fit. A simple turn of the dial delivers unparalleled performance, comfort, and convenience. You can visit flyracing.com for more details. We just finished up a conversation with a young man named, what was it? Aaron Plessinger. Aaron That's Plessinger. it. Plessinger. Yeah, I remember him. 
uh, raced for Team USA at the 2018 Motocross of Nations, which was just this past weekend at Redbud in southern Michigan. Now we go to Kyle Redman, who is in fourth place overall in the Enduro Cross Series, and they are, I believe, right in the middle of their series or, or around that there. Um, he's also been a consistent competitor in the X Games Enduro X events, finishing in the top ten in six of the seven events he's competed in. Kyle Redman joins us now. Kevin, what's up? What's up, Kyle? Hey, what's going on? How you doing, bud? Uh, doing doing great. Just uh, relaxing at home. What have you been doing since September twenty second? September twenty second. Uh, I did a hill climb event last weekend. Um, that's pretty much all I've done. Just been riding and working, and yeah, I did that. So that was a lot of fun. What hill climb event were you at, Kyle? It was uh, Carnegie. The Carnegie. Uh, it was a part of the Moto Climb Super Series. Um, this guy Matt, Matt Musgrove runs it, and it was yeah, it was super fun. Um, ended up doing pretty well. I got third in the I guess the overall of the weekend, so I was happy with that. It's awesome, Kyle. Were, Kyle, were you riding a, a hill climb bike, or were you just hill climb specific, yeah. or what were you riding? Yeah, I was on a hill climb bike. Um, I have one. My well, it's not mine. My buddy built it and yeah we've just uh it was a second try second one for me on the 450 i only have a 450 to ride so oh not one of those nitro methane powered arm rippers no, i actually i did ride one i swung my leg over one for the first time and it's called the open class so mm-hmm. my first run yeah i was like i got like third or something in the class so i was really happy with that but yeah, this, you know, it was just my second event. I went to Billings, which is like one of the biggest hill climbs, you know, in the country of the of the year. And yeah, we just got smoked. Like we had no idea what we were doing. So this time, I did well in the 450 class. I, you know, I, I got second overall in the in the head to head stuff, and I won the qualifying class. So I was happy with that because that's the only bike I have in the 450. So so they they uh, you do side by side, and there's there's jumps, right? I mean, it's it's not the old school hill climb. It's it's uh, no, it's both. Right, but so but hard. what you did, I'm assuming on a 450 was the was the jumps. I did both. Oh, you did. So the qualif- the qualifier was just one hill, and I ended up winning the like the hill. You know, like you have to pick your line, and uh-huh. it's all it's all about time or distance. And then that qualified us into the head to head stuff. That was like the number one speed, and then I went up against Logan Mead. For the final, he beat me, so I got second. And then <clears throat> I actually ended up riding in the 700 class as well on a 450. So that was, you know, it's a little underpowered. It doesn't have nitrous on it, and it's obviously just like a 450 motor. So I got like fourth in that or whatever. But it's crazy because they have so many different classes. So we need quite a few bikes to do it. Do you? Right, but I don't, I don't have one. Were you scared at all going up the hill? <laughs> I was kind of scared on the nitro bike. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was well, it's the fact that it could explode between your legs at any time. Quite literally would, uh, I think that would do the it weird, for me. Yeah, the weirdest part was, like, obviously I had no practice. Like, I just went straight for a hill climb. It was one of the biggest hills ever, so yep. it was really steep and, and tough. So, I mean, I made it my first try, and I was happy, and that got me third. But my second try, I didn't make the hill. So, I was, like, super lucky to make it the first try. Cause Dude, I'm telling you. 
it, it that weird. that's how I I did a hill climb. I've done a couple of them, and the one I went to, the first one, we hear about this hill climb, and this has been like ten years ago, a long time. And I yeah. I get there, and they had just stock swing arm four fifty, mm-hmm. and I get and so what they've done is we're in Iowa, right? So there's no hills like Carnegie. But yeah. it's still a really big hill, and what they do is they take an excavator and they chisel out the side, and they make a platform, and then they walk this this thing down, and then they chisel out the side again, and then they walk the thing down. So it was a series of of walls that you had to go up. And I got there, and I'm like, oh, I'm not going up that thing. I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not doing that. And uh, the guy that was with me didn't even race really, and he's like, if you don't go up that thing, I'm racing your bike. So I ended up going up the thing. I I won it, so I never went back because you can't do better than winning it, right? No. But uh, and Harold Waddell was there. I don't. Was he at your? Was he at Carnegie Racing? You know who that is? No. Uh, he's a lunatic. He's a he's a pro hill climb guy, and yeah. So uh, I I think um, that just proves you're insane that you're doing hill climbs too, because obviously you have a massive you're a massive talent on a motorcycle. To race the endurocross, cross, well, but the hill climb is to me is you're yeah you're not right. I'm just I was just happy to to do good because the, the last one I went to was Billings. I got smoked and like I didn't even touch the bike. I had unloaded the bike the morning before I left and washed it from Billings and went straight up there. So I'm just happy that I did better because that was you know that was the goal. I was building the thing with my friends and whatnot. Do good. So it's awesome. Yeah. I'm happy. Happy to do that. You uh, so let's talk about Endurocross. You guys are. Let me look. I think you're. You've had three rounds. Is that right? You're heading yeah, into the fourth round. Rounds, we have three more. They're yeah. all back to back weekends. Are you all set? Yeah, I'm all set. Uh, just, yeah, just practicing, getting trying to trying to get uh, get better for the final three. I think the first three went okay. I had one really bad round really like like wasted my point so i just can't do that again yeah what are you riding i'm riding a 350 husqvarna mm-hmm. so. that uh obviously that that's the bike you choose have you have you always done four? i was thinking you did a two-stroke in in enduro cross before yeah i was i was on a two-stroke for about four four seasons straight right and i switched last year to the 350 when I came off of Betas, and you know just just because of the way the track got a little easy, a little fast, a little jumpy, I just figured it was better. So yeah, I just you know I think a 350 is a great bike. Like you don't really have to do too much to them to make them competitive. So <clears throat> it's like suspension and gearing, and you know you're pretty much good to go. So you say the track is easier, and then you're I've never heard anybody else say that, and and. uh we interview a lot of enduro cross guys. You, you think the track, it's more about speed than it is than it is uh, like. Well, yeah, I think. I mean, it's pretty. I think pretty much a known fact that lately the tracks have been getting faster and easier. I mean, I think nobody's ever said any different, I, anything different to me. So, Kyle, I, yeah. I I would agree with you. I think they're getting a little more motocrossy in in yeah. kind of what it looks like to me. Yeah. For sure. I mean, they're they're trying to make it a little more exciting for the crowd. I think going that route. So it's just uh, that's what they're doing. I mean, people the, like to see jumps, right? Yeah, big jumps over big obstacles. Uh, when I'm watching them, I, I 
clearly that is the way they're going. You still have the boulders. You still have the tires. They're just giving uh, really good guys the opportunity to clear them. And they're all wet from yeah. the water. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's the same for everybody, and this, the speeds are picking up. How does that compare to the uh, X Games Enduro X events? I mean, are they, are they where well, that's coming from, you think? Yeah, I mean, those were actually similar to what we're racing on now, I think. You know, we've actually we've had like you know, the Costa Mesa was outdoor, and that was that was really similar to an X Games track, in my opinion. So I think for X Games, they really wanted to make it look bigger and 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 more jumpy, but that was just like a few years back. So it was like kind of like whoa, like when you went there, you're like, I'm not ready for this because like you know we practiced what we were used to back then, and it was more more of a technical feel to the tracks, you know. So yeah. They're, they're more similar to the X Games stuff now, I think. You training anything on, uh, on doing any trial stuff? You know, I haven't. I haven't ridden a trials bike in probably three years. So I just do trials on a dirt bike. <laughs> right, yeah. For the most part. <laughs> yeah. I did a lot of extreme enduro stuff this, uh, this off season, like a lot more. Which ones? Of, you know, a lot of two-stroke riding and. Uh, well, I, you know, I raced like we talked after last dog standing and, oh yeah. Yep. And then, uh, I just, you know, I just rode a lot more two stroke stuff for fun, really in the off season. And then, yeah, now I'm just doing four strokes for the rest of the year. So. Four strokes for life. Oh no, that's not what it's supposed no, to say. Two strokes. Yeah, my bad. That's, it's that's two that's strokes not it, buddy. Yeah. All right. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We all talk about how we love two strokes, but we're, we're the we still line up and buy them nine thousand dollar fuel injected F one technology dirt bikes. So, well, I mean, it's it's uh, we can all talk. I have a whole slew of two strokes, but I'm not buying any new ones. And you know what I mean. And and I'm not the beauty saying, of them is they're cheap, they're readily available, and and you can get them anytime. The new ones aren't cheap though. No, no. not the two strokes, but an old ones is. Oh yeah, yeah. Arguably not that much worse than a new one. Right, right. Yeah, they're. There's still, I mean, if you get like a TC or a, you know, SX, like KTM or a Husky, they're still fairly cheap compared to the four strokes. I think they're like nine grand or something. Yeah, yeah. even even less than that, actually. Uh, the the two not- strokes, I mean, unless you get into the woods models with the lights and, and or now fuel injection yeah. on yeah. the on the two strokes, mm-hmm. uh, the get the gassers are roughly two. An SX is almost two grand less than a so Woods like bike. seven thousand bucks. Yeah, 70, yeah, that's, that's not well, cheap. Still not cheap. Just bought a TE. My dad just bought a TE for ten five. So that I don't know. That was at a standard dealership. Yeah, that's dude. So, that's it's, oh, that's a lot of money for a two smoker. Price. We're gonna beat that. We we well the, we and the injected by the the yeah we have and the injected bikes are only going up. Right. All right. So, Kyle, what do you got? You've got a, a couple weeks, and you're you're back at it, or what's the what is it? The twentieth of October. Yeah, twentieth. So I got about yeah, like two weeks to go, and then on the road. Yeah, and then you're <laughs> three weeks in a row. Yep. You know, all in the basically the Pacific Northwest. So right on, man. Yeah, one in Denver. So <clears throat> just gonna get those done, and then the year's over. That easy. Well, good luck, buddy. Who do you want to thank yeah. for uh, helping you go racing? Yeah, you know, just Husqvarna and SRT, the team, Team SRT, and uh, Craig Thompson, who's the owner. I want to thank him. He's the one keeping me there. So, 
Um, yeah, my family, my girlfriend, everybody else that talks to me every day, keeps me uh, motivated, all my friends, you know. That's, they're the most important ones, right? All right, man. We appreciate it. That was Kyle Redmond. We're going to take a break. On the backside, we've got Ryan McCarthy, who is the owner or one of the co-owners of Rhino Power. Been in business for about eight years, and uh, they are the leading brand for supplements in action sports. This is Pit Pass. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What's up? This is Brian Deegan, the general of the Metal Militia. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. That's what's up. With no speed limits, no tickets, and no left-turning minivans, Track Addicts Track Days allows you to experience the performance of your sport bike in a safe and fun environment. Track Addicts Track Days offers a variety of programs, ranging from their new rider school to their advanced group sessions for experienced track riders. Get all the details at trackaddicts.com. That's trackaddix.com. Or call Ducati Omaha at 402-408-4400. Learn to ride your sport bike the way it was meant to be ridden with Track Addicts Track Days. With the tremendous amount of horsepower and torque created by modern dirt bikes, today's racewear must withstand tremendous forces. It must breathe well, be lightweight and protective, yet still durable. Fly Racing created its Evolution 2.0 racewear to fulfill these requirements. Evolution 2.0 features the industry's first BOA closure system race pant designed to provide custom comfort, smooth, even closure, no pressure points, and simple one-handed adjustment. Add to that the Evolution 2.0 ProFit Advanced Ventilation Jersey and Premium Race Glove, and you have Generation Next racewear, built to withstand the extreme conditions created by the modern dirt bike. For more information, visit flyracing.com. It's much more than a piston company. Wiseco now offers a full line of quality performance products, including forged pistons, precision forged clutch baskets and hubs, crankshafts, camshafts, forged connecting rods and valves. At Wiseco, we offer accessories for just about any motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile, personal watercraft, outboard marine engine, or automobile on the market today. After 70 years in the business, Wiseco has established a great reputation as a brand that can be trusted to deliver high high-quality performance products for power sports enthusiasts and professionals. Wiseco. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10 right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 1460 KXNO. If you're passionate about riding motorcycles both off-road and on, check out the full line of Yamaha Dual Sports at Hicklin Power Sports. The Yamaha TW200 features Yamaha's famous reliability, electric start, an ultra-low seat, and comfortable fat tires, making it one of the industry's simplest to ride motorcycles. The Yamaha XT250 offers the same ultra-dependable, user-friendly performance, but in a more versatile, powerful, and lighter weight package. And for riders who like to take their fun off-road more than on, there's the high-performance enduro-derived Yamaha WR250R, featuring long-travel suspension and advanced high-end design. Whatever your budget or riding style, Yamaha has a dual-sport model that's right for you. For more, visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Then visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes to see the new 2017 models from Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink 
can ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Passionate about motorcycles? Ever heard of the saying that you should make a career out of what you love to do? MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com is a state-of-the-art online job board built exclusively for the power sports industry. MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com connects job candidates who are passionate about the motorcycle industry with companies and dealerships that may be looking for you. Upload resumes, receive new job notifications, or just surf the site for your dream job. Turn your passion into a career at MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com. The point is good. Drink Swell Vodka, proudly and carefully distilled and filtered in Iowa. Like Swell Vodka on Facebook. Find Swell at fine stores that sell spirits. This is Jeff Gibson. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. All right, big thanks to all our sponsors, including Racetech, the science of suspension. For nearly 30 years, Racetech's been producing the highest quality suspension components and tools, including gold valves. For most types of motorcycles and ATVs, you can visit their website at Racetech.com. All right, we've had a good show so far. Let's hope that our next guest doesn't blow it. Um, <laughs> we had Aaron Plessinger on, and uh, who is a... Um, who raced the motocross of nations this past week. And then we have Cal Redman on who is racing the indoor cross season. And now we're going to have Ryan McCarthy on who is the owner, uh, been in business for about eight years. It's called Rhino power. He joins us now. What's up, Ryan? How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. You guys, it was nice hanging out with you this week in Lake Havasu. I assume you guys made it home. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we made it home after the windstorm, but we had a really awesome first two days, and uh, it's cool to see all the Dipsy athletes come together from all over the world. It's a pretty fun event, and uh, a lot of people thought, you know, watercraft racing was dead, and it's uh, it's doing better than ever, and it's, it's cool to see the sport thriving, and they're starting to get some um, Saturday spots with the P1 Aquacross Series, and it's, it's pretty exciting. The, the sport's growing, and we're happy to be a part of it. Dude, stand-up jet skis is, is the deal right now. And, and you look at social media and you go, you know, we went out and went to Area 6, we went to Body Beach, and there's more people there than there was at the race, I think. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it, it's alive and well, and I think I think there's a lot of weekend warriors that are really uh, having a good time. And, and if, if there was a good amateur series that, that they could start participating in, they might they might even start becoming racers. And stand-up jet skis, so uh, Tony and or Ryan, are you telling me there were stand-up classes? And if so, are oh yeah, is it for modern machines only? Because there's currently is a couple of options available, but or is this really warmed over vintage stuff? You get a combination of them, and, and Ryan, maybe you paid more attention to it than me, but yeah. you, you, I there's a ton of people that come up. Me working a Wiseco booth with pistons on display. You know yeah. they they want to have you know conversations about five fifties was a was a pretty hot topic for me. So you know one guy come up and says oh, I've got twenty six of twenty six five fifties. So and they all need refurbished. And I said, Ooh, that's time three. I'm not good at math, but I think that's a good sale for Wiseco. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that- what happened with the standups is uh, you know up until 2018 they were everyone was buying old used ones and they were they were souping them up and kawasaki came out in 2018 with this like super awesome i don't know the model number but it's like the fastest stand-up jet ski ever made new four stroke so yeah yeah i guess that's what it is and so now uh everyone who had these souped up skis that were 10 and twenty thousand dollars stand-up skis they're getting blown away by this new cali so all the uh pro circuit and fmf style companies involved 
are all modifying that ski now, and it's uh, it's getting pretty fast, so it's, it's fun to watch. And because, so the real problem for anyone on our of our listeners who doesn't know, two strokes essentially have, have been uh, run out of run out of the game uh, by the EPA, and you can no longer. There's still Yamaha still makes theirs. You can still get the Yamaha uh-huh. stand up. And as a dealer, I know this. I've uh, been in business for I've been in the business for six years. We've had probably three. Um, three of the st- three of the Yamaha um, Superjet. It's called right. It yep. two stroker and and, Kyle- and it's the, it's the best one. But you can't get registration. It is for closed course competition only. Oh you, really? You so without registration, <coughs> and you get zero warranty as also zero warranty if it blows up. <laughs> and it's a Yamaha. It's not going to. But you walk out. Start Au contraire, it in bonjour. The, I've blown a few Yamahas up in the past. The day three you buy years. it though. Quite literally, quite literally <laughs> yeah, the ones are, we sold, we had to bikes. say, if you started outside or you started yeah. at the lake and the motor lets go, it's on you, and you need to know that. Um, up front. Up so the, front. The Kawasaki is the SRX, or SXR, excuse me, I, I believe is what what uh, yeah. Ryan's talking about. Yeah, and that thing's super rad, and and, and it's also 9000 bucks or something crazy. But, uh, yeah, so jet skis well, is awesome. Um, but you guys are yeah, obviously known for motocross. Yeah, and I was just going to say, you know, after being at uh, motocross tracks my whole life growing up, racing and, and all that, and then in the last, you know, eight years with Rhino Power, we, we try to hit, you know, three to four motocross races every single month, and, and we always hit all the big amateur nationals, as many as we can, and support a lot of the amateur athletes. But uh, <laughs> the one thing I'll give the jet ski racing community is uh, it, it, there, there's no dust, and you, you, don't have, uh, you don't have dirt in your ears when you, when you get home. And you're not like blowing out the van and everything, and you get to watch girls in bikinis. The whole I was going to say the spectators in bikinis is a one really nice plus. I, I've seen yeah. girls in bikinis at the racetrack before. You know what always ticks me <laughs> off is the quad guys seem to show up with the hottest chicks, and I can't figure it out. And so, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they do. The local race is the. I will one. not disagree with you. It's Come a weird on. phenomenon. You know why? Because it's forty thousand dollars to build a quad, and they've got nine of them in the semi trailer that they showed up in, and they can also take their girl riding with them on their race bike. That's just not possible, really. And and maybe even go a little. Hey, let's go for a quick ride. <laughs> um, not happening on a stand up jet ski. Not happening on a real motocross bike. Our guest is Ryan McCarthy, owner of Rhino Power, and, and you've got a, a uh, another Ryan involved in the business. That's. Um, don't take this wrong, but a little more well-known than Ryan McCarthy. Talk about that, will you? Well, yeah. So, you know, Rhino is, is, is the fast one and the famous one. And, uh, and so we, you know, I met Rhino about 11 years ago and I owned a company at the time called in motion MX. And I was just having a really good time making HD videos. We were like doing the Southern California motocross scene. And this is, it's funny. If you guys look back 10 years ago, videos on Transworld, Burb Moto, that was just starting to become a thing. And so I was doing that. I, I met Rhino and I was riding all the time and enjoying, enjoying that. And I was shooting these videos and, and he hired us to do his, his instructional DVDs. And I became good friends with him. And, and just like a lot of these pros, he had so many killer opportunities going on and he owned a motocross track. He had these organic nuts and stuff that he was trying to sell. And those were Rhino organics. And, and he just, kind of needed a business manager and i had you know never been fast enough to go pro so i went to college and got my degree and i was kind of a businessman and um had some experience and and you know i met him and i said dude let me help you with everything that you're doing like we can do it better you know and 
so we took over the track, we took over the organics, and, and he had these supplements that he had been having this guy make for him, and he really wanted to release them, and he had the name Rhino Power in his mind. And so I kept looking at that, and, and I went back to a college reunion, and we went through the fraternity house, and there's like 20 guys living in this house, and these kids are living on top ramen and, and, and you know, barely fucking affording to wash their clothes. And they're, they all have like five or six supplements on their desk. They've got a protein. They've got a pre-workout. They've got an intra-workout. They've got a thing to take before bed. And so what I did is I came back to Rhino. I said, man, we're missing the boat. Let's shut the motocross track down. Let's shut the organics down. Let's get the supplement thing going. And, and with Rhino's, you know, relationships in the motocross community and with the magazines and with my business savvy, the, the little that I have, I, uh, we put it together and, and, and it was exciting. You know, it was a one man show. I had like a fulfillment center, you know, where they shipped all my stuff for us and it was linked up with the website and then I could put in orders and I answered the phones and I did that and I called dealers and, you know, then we had one employee, then we had two employees and we had three and, you know, um, we're on our third warehouse now. We just moved into a bigger place in San Diego here and, and we've got a really killer team of people working with us and, and, you know, I think we did like 75 events this year already. We're on our third sprinter van and, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of neat seeing the company come together and, and without Rhino's, you know, reputation, we, we wouldn't be where we are today. And you've, uh, it's not just Ryan Hughes who's, who's, uh, you know, my era. He's, he's an older guy. You have a lot of current, you know, competitive riders that are at a pro level that are using your supplements all over the world. Right. Yeah. Oh, it, it's been amazing. I mean, the motocross guys, I mean, we, in the beginning and, and, you know, I, I, a lot of the guys use it and then they get it from us and sometimes they buy it because maybe they don't want us blasting their name all over Instagram and stuff. And I mean, we've had Eli Tomac, we've had Jason Anderson use it. We've had, you know, we currently have like Cooper Webb and, uh, Justin Cooper. We've got Dylan Ferrandis, um, you know, all kind of Weston Pike, Roman Fevrier, uh, Jordy Trixier, you know, all these great European racers, Kurt Gibbs, the Australian champion, Egan Maston, the 250 champion in Australia, um, um, the champion in New Zealand, you know, uses it. We just have all these amazing athletes and, and a lot of these guys, they don't really know what to take and, and neither does the customer base. So one of the things that Rhino and I wanted to do is we said like, look, the pros in our sport, one of the only sports where they're not getting the the nutrition guidance or the supplement guidance that you might see in NFL or NBA or Olympic sports, you know, motocross, we, we give them the fast bike. We give them the beautiful semi, the best gear, you know, they've, they've got all these rad things going on, but when it comes to nutrition, a lot of guys aren't paying attention. So the riders have really embraced us and we have, we have a lot of the top guys using it. And, um, you know, it's pretty exciting when you see the podium and two out of the three guys are using Rhino Power on almost any given weekend. Is that expensive for those guys? You know, believe it or not, we have been able to get to the level that we're at today by providing the guys with free stuff. Um, you know, we really owe a lot of that to the energy drink companies because they they pay the guys, they pay the mortgages. The energy drink companies really get a lot of the, uh, they should get a lot of, um, applause from from the motocross community because they're the ones paying the bills for these teams and everything. And Rhino Power really respects the Red Bulls and the Rock Stars and the Monsters, you know. But luckily, we've been able to be kind of behind the scenes and giving these guys some free product. And I mean, it, it's not cheap. So when these guys, you know, when they get a package, it's worth five hundred to a thousand dollars 
the amount of stuff that we send these guys, and we send that a few times a year. So it, it gets expensive, but it's worth it because with social media now, when these riders, you know, like a rider like Aaron Plessinger, who you just had on, on, on before me, when someone like him posts a social media post out, whether he's posting FMF or his gear or something that he got, you know, people are paying attention, and, and that's a really big driving factor these days. And, um, you know, so it's been killer. We, we have a lot of awesome athletes, and for me, getting to work with them on a daily basis is really fun. Who's the most fun guy you've had to work with besides working next to me all week? <laughs> I mean, you, you I mean, actually, athlete. <laughs> you take the cake, Tony. That was one of the funner events I've done. But you know, uh, <laughs> be careful. My boss listens. I'm not sure who he is, but uh, I know the folks at Wiseco listen, and I don't. Want... <laughs> I'll tell you this: oh, the hydration, good wholesome fun. The, the, That's the, uh, what he clearly meant. I'll just say this: the hydration drink that you have that you offer was a lifesaver after two nights at Kokomo's. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're like the Casanova Kokomo's, you know, and every everyone was on you, but I, you're a good boy, and uh, and uh, you did what needed to be done. <laughs> yeah, you know, we had a we had a really good time there, and I, I'd say the the riders, you know, I'm kind of on the fence. Some of the riders are are super fun to work with, you know. For instance, like Jeff Emig is is obviously retired, but he is so chill, and he calls me, and we we shoot we we discuss nutrition, we discuss supplements. He's he takes a really keen interest in like what each product does and, and when to use it and how to use it. And I don't know if you've seen the guy lately. He is like perfectly fit, almost 0% body fat. The guy's gnarly. Yeah. Well, and, you know, so I, I love talking to him, Megan. You know, I used to emulate him and, and Rhino when I was lining up for the 125 novice class. And, uh, you know, so that was, those are two guys that I always like. But like someone like Justin Cooper, for instance, I really enjoy working with Justin Cooper because. We got him when he was like an intermediate and he was going to Loretta's and he was going to smoke all the intermediates and he had a rough season that year and we, we stuck behind him and then he came back the next year as an A-class and he killed everybody, you know, and then he turned pro and he's been with us ever since. He trains with Gareth Swanerpool who does just an amazing job with his riders and Gareth has been using Rhino Power for his athletes for like the last three or four years and we have a good relationship with him so any of the star racing guys or any of the extra guys he helps out, you know, we work with. Um, Jimmy Dakotis was like 18 years old when I first partnered with Rhino, and he was actually living at Rhino's house, and he and Jessica Patterson and Vince Freeze, um would go ride at Rhino Land and Paula, and, you know, I'd see them out at the track, and working with those kids was cool because seeing Jimmy now, you know, all grown up and traveling around the world and, you know, riding for some kick-ass teams like JGR and stuff, that's that's been fun. But, yeah, you know, Austin Forkner, we got with him when he was on 80s, and, you know, he's always been, like, a, a cool guy. And so we've got pictures of him, you know, with his 80 taking Rhino Power. So it's it's hard to pick a favorite, but all, all those guys are, are pretty fun to work with. That's cool. Um, this weekend we had the Motocross of Nations. I don't know if you were watching it uh, in the uh, Blosian stand, but uh, they had it yeah. on. Uh, what were your thoughts about the United States? Do you think that we are, we being United States residents and fans we've we always kind of think that and if it was the supercross of nations i think it'd be a different story right but there's been a lot of talk about you know that uh that so much focus has changed towards supercross and that kind of thing we flag got smoked this weekend we being our boys what are your thoughts yep. man you know I, I i've been hearing the supercross thing a lot lately and i and i i know our guys know how to ride their dirt bikes outdoors and 
and I think they're they're plenty fast outdoors. And I I don't think it's that the Europeans have a leg up on us in that sense. I I I feel like the last couple of years we have just had really bad luck. I mean, Tomac Tomac's as fast as anyone. I think he and Hurlings could have been banging bars if they had got equal starts and it wasn't a mud fest, you know. And and I think Plessinger. Plessinger's been untouchable all year, and he, he went down twice, if I remember correctly, which is uncharacteristic of him. Um, Barsha is just doing incredible this year. He's really, like, got some new stuff that he's working with, and he's, he's been showing, showing some new talent, you know, and it was great to see him in qualifying. I think he came out second place, and I'm not sure how he ended up doing. I, I didn't see the final numbers because I was working. 9-9. Nine, nine. You know, I know he had some, some good rides. And so, you know, I, I think America is just as good as Europe on any given day. We just, for some reason, seem like we choke at the Des Nations every year. And I don't know if it's our guys are burnt out. They're coming off, you know, 16 rounds of outdoors or 12 rounds or whatever it is. You well, know, it's a outdoors. huge break for the, the where these boys that, that, that are racing that motor, the motor MXGP, they just had their final round, you know, a week or two ago versus our guys have been have been uh, stepped away from the outdoor season for what six weeks or something already. I yeah. mean, it's, it, but the GP guys have four weeks off between races. Sometimes if I understand it correctly and, and you just know, a couple of times in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's tough, man. I, like I said, I feel like Plessinger, Barsha and Tomac were the right guys for the job. And I think some better starts, we would have seen a little bit more competitive racing and, and, you know, uh, I, I, I I still believe that the U.S. can win it, you know, and I, I was happy with, you know, Emig was part of a winning Des Nations team. Hughes was part of a winning Des Nations team. Nothing beats that year when Villapoto and Dungy won it. I can't remember what year that was when they were hugging it out and they were arch enemies. That was always a, a cool photo. Four, 07. Um, was it 07? Yep. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. These guys, we still have it in us. I, I want to get us. I want to, I want to see what happens next year. Yeah, well, I think I think there's a lot of puzzle pieces that aren't there for the United States riders that used to be, and yeah. uh, I, I I don't see it changing anytime soon. And I well, hate to be that guy, but Ryan, it's been a pleasure having you on. Good luck with Rhino Power. Hey, thanks so much, guys, and uh, and thanks for check us out at RhinoPower.com, and we'll get you all hooked up. All right, if you ever need anything, holler, okay? Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, everybody. All right, big thanks to Aaron Plessinger, Kyle Redman, and Ryan McCarthy. Hour number two is coming up next. We've got Brian Prince, uh, uh, Motorsport Super Sport Super Sport Class, Moto America Super Sport Class racer, and uh, Colby Carlisle, Flat Tracker. This is Pit Pass. Stay tuned. One more hour right after this. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires. 
starting with the VRM229 for hard pack supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or recreation riding big four-strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new Slow Rebound Tacky Compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the Tacky Tires, the choice of Sherco Off-Road. Racers say when using a Tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. Radio, America's weekly motorcycle talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. It's Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latron. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. All right, high five. We're back in hour number two of Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. I'm Tony Wink. With me is PJ Dorn and Roman Avila. Producers of the program are Jack and Leanne DeLeon, and our contributors include Tommy Boy Haverson and Chris Bishop. Hour number one, we had Aaron Plessinger on, Kyle Redman, and Ryan McCarthy from Rhino Power. Hour number two, we're going to have Bryce Prince on, Colby Carlisle, and uh, those are two real fast guys on uh, two wheels, by the way. Super Sport Class and the uh, AFT Singles. Um the uh, still also to come, we're going to talk about uh, the MotoGP in Thailand with results, and uh, we're going to talk to AF with the AFT Series Fly Track New Jersey and the series uh, results there, and then the upcoming World Superbike Race in Argentina that's this weekend. So that we've got a lot of cover in this hour. We'll get right to our first guest if we if we can. Jack, please bring him on. He is uh, 
the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Bryce Prince. Fourth overall in the Moto America Supersport class. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, good. How are you guys doing? We're good. You like being called the Fresh Prince? Eh, I mean, if it sticks, I guess. <laughs> well, you're fresh. Very solid 2018 with a fourth-place finish in the Moto America Supersport class. You scored two podiums at Pittsburgh, right? And constantly running with the front guys, especially towards the end of the season. So I want to congratulate you on a, on a solid race weekend, a race year, and uh, talk, I want you to talk about your uh, your confidence and your racecraft as it improved and increased as the season progressed. Yeah, you know, this year was a very interesting year for us. Uh, right a month before the season started, I actually found myself without a ride. Just some stuff fell through with a team that um, I planned on racing for, so... It was a very tough deal for me, and, you know, as things progressed, uh, I was able to jump on board with KWR and Kyle Lyman and put a good program together on the Yamaha R6, and just, uh, you know, I think the results really started shining towards the end of the season. You know, I had no testing time at all, and just trying to get the bike sorted was very tough to do, and uh, yeah, so it's been a huge progression for me, and this year was really, really tough, and I think we really shined when uh, we had all the odds against us, so... Yeah, that's not an easy thing for any rider in any form of motorsport to uh, start the season without uh, a plan or without a, a direction that's very clear for you. So kudos to you again for uh, starting with a bit of a deficit and turning it into a very respectable season, Bryce. Uh, w with that said, I mean what is the next season looking like for you? Cause it sure seems like in the number of events I attended this year, um, and with the recent announcement by Scott Russell that, uh, he's going to hopefully be doing something with Moto America. There's a kind of a teaser video out there. I hadn't mentioned yet. Um, Scott Russell's offering to do what he can for the sport. And that's great. Again, more evidence, more evidence. The series is going the right direction. Bryce, you got plans for next year? Yeah, you know, uh, the last last three weekends, we really got everything sorted. And, you know, to be honest, we we were the only only team in person that was able to compete with those top three in the Supersport class, being uh, Hayden Gillum, J.D. Beach, and Valentin. And, you know, I think we really showed what we can do once we had the bike set up. And uh, we actually have, yeah, I've had expressed interest with some pot potential teams for next year that, you know, we've been talking to and trying to sort some stuff out. So next year's looking good. You know, I can't really say too much right now but we're definitely uh definitely on the radar to be racing next year in the super sport class you can tell us we won't tell anybody yeah yeah <laughs> we keep everything like that under our hat yeah we just you know i mean this uh we may want my mom listens but other than that it's just you know it's just us yeah uh cvma no, I, stuff I promise you it's gonna, gonna be exciting so. you you gonna do any uh cvma stuff at chuckwalla uh, no, not unless we go out there to do any testing. Um, I think, you know, typically I would do club racing stuff, but this last year we've kind of phased that out unless it's for testing and just wanted to focus on recouping some funds because that was tough this year and try to get everything in line for next season. That's our main goal. So if the teams want to go test out at those events, then we will be, but if not, then no, we don't plan on doing any club racing before the next Moto America season. So. Bryce, you're a relatively young racer. When did you actually get started? How old were you when you when you first started uh, beginning uh, the the career that's led you to this point? 
So I started road racing when I was 10, and my first bike I raced was a YSR 50. You and everybody else, it seems like that's a yeah. common that's a common theme. Um, the moped. Did you do some dirt biking before that? Yeah, I rode dirt biking a little bit, and to be honest, I, I wasn't really that good. I was I was okay, but nothing special. And I really took to road racing much better than I did dirt biking. I guess uh, jumping just wasn't my thing. I guess I don't know. You should see Roman, who's here in the studio with us, talk about not good. He is. <laughs> And actually, PJ's worse. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. I was going to say, and I'm actually worse. PJ's uh, pretty good at doing track days on a, on a sport bike, but I'll tell you, he on is- On a dirt bike, pretty painfully slow. I wouldn't even say necessarily, I wouldn't pick on you for being slow. You just have a knack for hitting things that are way out of the way. Like that- <laughs> Yes, I do have uh, target fixation issues when I'm off oh, the road yeah, race course. He does just, he holds his own on a track day, you know, at the locals anyway, and uh, some club racing, but- uh, not so good. You know, a lot of guys start in, in, in dirt bikes, though. Uh, you know, obviously in off-road and that kind of thing. And then, you know, and, and obviously the flat track, when we talk about that, the coalition, you know, there between flat track guys and, and road race guys. But uh, so you strictly just, you're pretty much a road race guy and, and start on the on the 50 and then worked your way up, huh? Yep. Yeah. You know, I raced against people like Tommy Aquino. And actually, once I moved up to 125s, I actually had had josh heron's old 125 so we just uh continued moving up through the ranks with all those guys and uh ran the winner championship when i was younger and then moved up in the 125 and then did the red bull rookies cup deal you know back in 2008 when they had it in the united states and that was very good and then pretty much ever since that year with the rookies cup you know we've been in the ama paddock of some sort since 2009 so it's awesome. So when you when uh, Kyle Wyman kind of came to the rescue with you, <coughs> excuse me, with a ride, <coughs> excuse me, on the KWR six, um, how did that relationship between you and him and, and the team and crew, everybody progress over the season? And did, did it uh, does as the you guys start to gel? Did that affect race results? You think? Yeah, you know, first, you know, like I said, I can't can't express enough gratitude for Kyle and thank him enough. He's a very hardworking guy and. You know, he puts his own program together himself, just like I've had to do this season. And, you know, we had expressed you know, interest together, and it actually, you know, came together from Gary at Speed Demon Motorcycles, who is a very good friend of mine that I do business with, who was Kyle's crew chief this season. wasn't my crew chief, but, you know. So that was where the relationship all started. And, you know, Gary spoke nothing but good things about his team, and, you know, we kind of just... At first, Kyle was, you know, I want to focus on my own deal, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, eventually we kind of came to an agreement that made sense for both of us. And I think it was, you know, beneficial for him having me there. And it was good having him there, you know, for me as well. I wouldn't have been able to make it happen this season. So. And is, is his brother still racing in his program alongside you? Or is that uh, no. moved around? That's changed a bit? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, it was just me and Kyle on the KWR team. And then his brother, Travis road with uh, on the weir bmw with steve weir so they had their own deal and their own transport and all that stuff and then cody i believe he didn't do any moto america events up just miscellaneous club racing so you uh, you you previously stated just want to make sure i heard you clearly you're done with uh any probably uh you know the the club racing amateur level stuff uh, unless it's specifically designated to be a test session 
Yes, you know, that's the plan. I mean, every once in a while, you know, we'll, we'll get phone calls that people want us to go out there and do some club racing stuff and help out and promote. But, you know, the main objective for me now is to focus on my career and try to, you know, we, we want to fight for the championship next year at Supersport. That's what we want to do, and we know we can. So, you know, we're just trying to keep everything focused. And uh, like last season, I actually had a – I actually did a series down in the Caribbean, and I won that championship. On Ooh, that sounds season. nice. Yeah, so they actually opted for me to come back in November, but I decided against that because, you know, I wanted to play it safe and be able to focus everything I had for making sure I'm fit and healthy for next year. Go ahead and send them my way. I'll be happy to ride the banana boat over. <laughs> All right. Hey, Bryce, you were talking about earlier about, uh, you know, kind of recouping some funds. That they, that, wow, can I spit this out here? The Daytona 200. Um, is that something that you, you, you've thought about or something that you've done and, you know, that could help, uh, pay some bills off? Yeah. You know, uh, I actually, we have been toying that idea around. It's been brought up multiple times and I know Kyle himself has expressed interest in writing it himself too. And, you know, we've kind of, we have, I have thought about doing it and my, my two crew guys that were with me, Chris and Lewis, both are strongly for it. They, they really want me to go do it. So, uh, if the opportunity is there and every, you know, all the cards line up and it doesn't conflict with any, you know, sponsors and stuff we have going then yeah, we're definitely in. So that's big news. Um, so how does that go? So we, we've seen numerous of Moto America, uh, regulars um, make it one year, not the next, and then guys that never miss it ever. Uh, we can count those guys. Danny Eslick's one of those guys, it would seem. Uh, J.D. Beach is generally always there. Uh, do they get that in their contract, do you think, or is it down, is it down to the rider? Is it down to the team? Uh, you know, I think it's down to both. I think, uh, you know, it, it, being a high-level athlete in Moto America, all the guys there, don't you know on those teams they're really tied down to making sure that they focus on the moto america stuff you know a lot of people putting in money see that as a risk going to race against something that doesn't really count for the season you know what i mean besides bragging rights and a little bit of money so it's definitely a tough call and I mean, for instance, like what happened to the beast the beast fell down and really hurt himself and wasn't able to race the first couple of races. Definitely paid. Uh, wow. Definitely impacted the series think, and his results. Exactly. Do you think the promoter could do something with that event and make it, even though it's not going to be part of the series and and it's you know it's a different format and, and everything? Do you think there's something that they could do that would, would that would make it a race that you got to go to? You know what I mean? Like because money, more money. No, I, I hang on though because that's it. Yeah, the money for sure. Okay. Oh. Well, I mean, like we see the Monster Cup this coming weekend in motocross, and it's not a points race, and it's it's a super dangerous race, in my opinion, I th- for Supercross because it's Sam Boyd Stadium, and I'm not a huge fan of that place because they go 65 miles an hour down Monster. You know, they, they're shooting radar, and they're bragging about how fast they're going into a wall jump. You can and, win a million dollars. Yeah, it's not happened much, though. <laughs> but I, But you could, you know, they could uh, – that's true. Yeah, that is a lot of money. <laughs> it's a uh, lot of <laughs> I might take this season off if I win it. There's a of lot money. of guys that you know are not, and they know they're not going to win the million bucks, but they still show up. But the money's still good. It, it, the payout's still there. I mean, 
and the exposure in and of itself for sure and and not and not to jump off onto a different tangent here but if if the daytona 200 which is you know talked about race event historical yeah still arguably the one of the most historical motorcycle races in the world although it's losing its luster rather i mean i wouldn't say quickly but every year it's less less it's a little bit less important than it was I think they got to do something to kind of rejuvenate yeah, you know, the race. It, I think if it uh, if if it had more money in it and more spectators, and it was still covered on live television, I bet you, yeah, you'd see a lot of factory teams there. Yeah, and I just I, I feel like we're really we're at the crossroads. Uh, it, Moto America is doing what they can with uh, their series, the series you're competing in, and again. We here at Pit Pass believe they're going in the right direction. Uh, everything I've seen at the racetrack is wonderful. Uh, the number of competitors, the level of professionalism, everything in the paddock, it seems to be going in the right direction. But they, they, you, nobody can disagree that they could be a lot better. And I want Kyle. No. I want. I want uh, Kyle. Uh, I want the Fresh Prince to uh, to comment on that because it's it's you know you see uh, Scott Russell getting involved you know and stuff like that and it's there's a lot of there there's a lot there's a long ways to go in my they have a tough road to hoe and they knew that when they started it but it seems like they have a long ways to go nobody's arguing that they're doing a great job and they're doing it's a hundred times better than it was but it seems to me like it, it still is a long ways from from being very successful would you agree with that you know i do unfortunately and you know i love this sport and i've been in it a long time and it's not just it's not just the sport of racing itself, you know, but the whole industry and the market of bike sales and the way everything's going obviously isn't what it used to be ten years ago. So I think all of that is just a piling effect of not being able to have enough money to do it. It's very tough. So you know, I think uh you always hear everyone complain about not having enough money to go racing. Obviously that's a truthful statement, but to an extent, you know, there's there's a there's some grounds to where you can make it work. It's just not going to be up to par for what some people are expecting out of it. You know, I I think too that um, there's uh, uh, with with uh, motocross. You know, we were comparing it to motocross. The uh, the energy drink companies are huge in motocross, and you don't see that as prevalent in in Moto America. And in uh, road racing, and I think there's an opportunity there. You would think, and I and I realize they're they're involved with the teams and that kind of thing, but you don't see Monster blasted all over everything. I mean, we saw it this past weekend, the Monster Energy Motocross of Nations. You know, if you didn't like looking at Monster logos, you wouldn't. You'd be sick, but look, looking at the sport of motocross. But road racing is not that way. I mean, you see it on some of the athletes and the racers and stuff and the teams, but. The team trailers for sure, and their and their yeah. hospitality tents and things like that. But it's not as is it's they're not as involved as they are in motocross. And I think, you know, I don't know if you put the cart before the horse, but it seems like there's an opportunity for energy drinks to be more involved with a series as a series sponsor. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely not as involved as they are in motocross. Um, I'm sure they have their reasons, you know, but I, I don't really know exactly what those are. But, you know, there's a lot of people that I can agree with that are involved in the off-road stuff that are not involved with the road racing circuit. Right, yeah. And there's a, 
I gosh, I just they, they're probably better at doing the numbers than any other probably company out there, right? Yeah, I think uh, I think the off road market just seems to you know the industry's you know they sell more bikes, they sell more tickets. You know, there's just more money, there's more 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 viewership and all the TV stuff and all that than there is in road racing. So you know that I mean, if you're a business. You know they're gonna they're gonna look into like well you know if I spend the same amount of money here I can reach more of an audience so I think that has a you know our sport's not as big as the off road stuff so I, was, I think that all of all of that makes it much more difficult to find people that want to invest money into the sport and all that stuff. Bryce, I I agree. I think the biggest thing is the exposure and. I hate to say it, but I, I think unless you're in MotoGP, um, the exposure you guys, however, is growing and has grown these last few years um, with the series. But I just I don't think it's there yet for them. The exposure's not there, and, and that's what they thrive off of. Um, and I think until we get to that point with you know the Moto America series. It, it, it's probably going to be on uh, people's minds, but not uh, in the pen yet to sign the contracts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. You know, in, in road racing right now, it's uh, unlike what I think motocross might be a little different. There's a huge deal with, you know, the riders and trying to secure sponsors for funding for teams for themselves and stuff like that. And that's not how it used to be. You know, there used to be big money sponsors involved with the teams and the team search for riders. And right now, you know, I hear it here. It's that time of year when everyone's trying to make stuff happen for next year. And I hear it a lot with uh, even quite successful people in the industry that are like, you know, I can bring money from these people or these people to try to make, you know, make it, make it make more sense to a certain team. You know, some riders will cost less. So obviously they're looking at that when their budgets are really thin. Bryce, how old are you now? You're you're still a pretty young racer. I'm 26. So you're you are I mean the, the, right in the middle of what I would consider probably the Moto America average right about now. Uh, with, yep. What with Josh Hayes falling I was off say, the no, average? Josh, came, <laughs> <laughs> Josh Hayes was, heading out the the average came down a bit. Uh, yeah, we haven't we haven't put, we haven't dug at him all the whole show so i yeah, know good, it's good about job. time yeah about time uh and i haven't even brought up johnny rock page yet oh i know gosh <laughs> i'm really. sure i'm sure they were they were bummed about it until just now bryce uh you a big jrp fan uh i i know ozzy dave quite well he did a lot of stuff with ozzy dave and you know i never really got to know the guy but he uh he seemed very uh unique Oh, I love that it. That is the most diplomatic a- answer anyone has ever been given. Do you remember when he was going to run for president? <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember, it. I remember it all. I remember oh, it all. I remember, the, I remember that when he's going to marry Paris Hilton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flying a banner over L.A. <laughs> she didn't even know him. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. He's going to call me. He's going to still have my numbers or something. Oh, and he's going to – Everybody hears gonna, us on the air saying his name, and he'll, he'll actually think you care. He's going to think he can. <laughs> that is kind of his curse and uh, no disrespect intended. If, if uh, he hears his name, he is a firm believer in uh, P.T. Barnum, was it, who said any press is good press? Or? I honestly miss the guy. I, I miss. We had him on the show. It was awesome. I mean, it was 
It's just Enter- entertainment. Yeah, you know? entertainment. And I can't find the payout for the Monster Cup. I've been sitting here pecking away at this thing for. I know it pays a hundred grand if you don't win it all three. Well, but you, could, you can go look at last year's results and see. Yeah, that's true. Maybe hmm. so. Well, Bryce, uh, we're happy for you. We, we're glad that you got a lot of positive things cooking in your in your uh, program, and and sounds like you're. Hey, Brian. Sorry, Tony, but real quick, because how soon, Bryce, are we going to hear the news? How soon? What are we thinking? A couple weeks? Month? Um, I'm hoping by November. Oh, that long. That's a couple, three weeks. But that's, yeah, that's pushing it. You you just get on the bicycle and start pedaling and hoping that uh, it's going to all work out. Uh, Yep, exactly. You know, you got to, you know, keep, keep, you can't push too much, but, you know, you got to try to try to make things happen and uh hopefully you guys will be able to hear me back on the show soon and i can tell you what i'm doing so right on well good luck to you man and congrats on a great season yeah thank you guys thanks for having me i appreciate it all right jack take us to break we're gonna be right back here we've got uh oh colby carlisle's coming up next flat track race we'll be right back this is pit pass this is chris peace mcneil you're listening to pit pass radio in it to win it Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard-packed supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new Slow Rebound Tacky Compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the Tacky Tires, the choice of Sherco off-road. Racers say when using a Tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. With no speed limits, no tickets, and no left-turning minivans, Track Addicts Track Days allows you to experience the performance of your sport bike in a safe and fun environment. Track Addicts Track Days offers a variety of programs, ranging from their new rider school to their advanced group sessions for experienced track riders. Get all the details at trackaddicts.com. That's trackaddix.com. Or call Ducati Omaha at 402-408-4400. Learn to ride your sport bike the way it was meant to be ridden with track addicts track days it's a fact the best you've ridden is the best you know until you've ridden racetech suspension you haven't experienced the best suspension possible racetech is the science of suspension for atv and utvs motocross freestyle and stunning off-road supermoto road race sport bikes cruisers touring and vintage bikes as well as adventure riding with gold valve kits to upgrade your stock forks and shocks and our g3s custom series shocks you too can have the Racetech suspension advantage, and it's all made in the USA. For more information about Racetech products and applications, visit our website at Racetech.com. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 
This is 1460 KXNO. If you're passionate about riding motorcycles both off-road and on, check out the full line of Yamaha Dual Sports at Hicklin Power Sports. The Yamaha TW200 features Yamaha's famous reliability, electric start, an ultra-low seat, and comfortable fat tires, making it one of the industry's simplest to ride motorcycles. The Yamaha XT250 offers the same ultra-dependable, user-friendly performance, but in a more versatile, powerful, and lighter weight package. And for riders who like to take their fun off-road more than on, there's the high-performance enduro-derived Yamaha WR250R, featuring long-travel suspension and advanced high-end design. Whatever your budget or riding style, Yamaha has a dual-sport model that's right for you. For more, visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Then visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes to see the new 2017 models from Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Don't wait another minute for that new dream home you've always wanted. I'm Tony Wink for Jack Daly on Construction. For 66 years, the DeLeon family has been building custom homes, existing home remodeling, and adding on for customers across central Iowa. The DeLeons will offer you one-on-one attention that the big builders simply can't. They'll walk you through the process so you'll get the home that you want. Jack works well with your plans or can show you from his library of over 1,200 house plans. He'll make your dreams a reality. Call the DeLeons at 515-321-5225. Tell them you heard about them on Pit Pass Radio and receive 5% off the price. Jack DeLeon Construction, serving Iowa since 1946. Hey, this is Ken Roxon. You're listening to Pippa Radio. All right, welcome back to the show. I want to thank Wiseco Performance Products, carrying a full line of forged pistons, precision forged clutch baskets, clutch hubs, crankshafts, forged connecting rods, valves, and more for just about any motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile, personal watercraft, outboard marine, and automobile on the planet. For one name, one solution, visit Wiseco.com. I had a good conversation with Bryce Prince, who is uh, who finished fourth overall in the Moto America Supersport class. Now we go to Colby Carlisle, who is in his most recent race on October 6th, Six, the AFT singles main event at the Meadowlands Mile presented by Ducati. The 21-year-old Carlisle finished in second place. He joins us now. What's up, Colby? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing tonight? Man, we're doing fantastic so far. So don't screw it up. Smashingly. I'll try not to. A lot of pressure. We we caught you on your skateboard ride. Yeah, I know. I, I lost track of time and tacos were on the mine so uh longboarded to the corner and then i got the phone call and i'm like oh man gotta turn around well you can we can uh, you can do the show from a from a skateboard if you want i don't know if it's ever been done i've come real close <laughs> <laughs> well i mean as long as you get tacos for tony and i and pj oh uh, man we yeah, had some tacos at sakari today. yeah we did they yeah, we good. can ship them It'll be there. No. <laughs> we, we've we got some pretty well-made local uh, resources mm-hmm. on the taco front. Yes. Colby, uh, great ride there at the end of the season at Meadowlands. How was Canterbury Park? I'm very curious. That was the first time at that venue, correct, for uh, AFT and the, and the whole series? <clears throat> yeah, it was the first time there, I believe, as far as I know. And uh, it was pretty good. You know, the track... Um, in early in the day, Chris Carr told us there was like two spots in the track where the dirt was orange, which was weird because the rest was brown. And he said, we don't know exactly what's going to happen there. And he was right. You know, those two spots turned into a very slippery coming off a of four. It was super slippery and coming off a of two. It was uh, like a big rut hole 
going through there. So that definitely made some obstacles, but I kind of enjoyed that because it made it a very technical track to where like uh, throttle control was way more important than most racetracks. And how was the crowd there? I mean, I've been to that venue a number of times, having formerly lived in Minneapolis, working at a Yamaha dealer, went to the snow cross there a couple of years in a row on that very same uh, horse racing surface. Oh, that's surface. the same place. Yeah, yeah. It's the exact same venue. And it's it's a wonderful venue. I can imagine it was, you know, a good place to watch from. Uh, but how was the crowd? Yeah, definitely an excellent venue. And it kind of stunk because it was only about 42 degrees out when it came time for main event. So I think that may have hurt just a little bit, but uh, the crowd was definitely large for a first time event. You know, the stands looked pretty full from what I can remember. And uh, it was fun. You know, I think everyone had a lot of fun and these mile races, they're always so close. The fans, obviously the first timers, they enjoy it because they don't really know what to expect. And then when they see the drafting, it just, they love it and see the speed and by the way 42 degrees in, in minnesota this time of year actually a heat wave there were probably still locals <laughs> wearing shorts so oh, that's for no, sure big, they were. no no for d- sure. no big deal no don't bring your mittens or hat no. it's still pretty nice out probably cold on that motorcycle though um you know the two the, the fans and 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 bless the x games for having flat track involved in um uh, in their their you know their show or whatever but <clears throat> it's um you know, we saw motocross grow leaps and bounds when the X Games came out. I remember. I mean, it was just, it was a big deal. And, and flat track is, you know, popular right now. And and uh, so you get these these people, these locals that went and saw the X Games, and they they watch flat track, and they're like, okay, that's kind of cool. And then they go watch this mile. Now they're fans, and if they if their fan experience is anything like mine, they're going to go to every time it comes to town. And you know, and I think that's great. And and and. Uh, we just had uh, Bryce Prince on talking about the uh, AF, uh, excuse me, uh, Moto America and the series that that you know that is road racing in the United States and and how you know we're we're bragging on Moto America and Wayne Rainey and everybody part of the Crave Group that they're they're doing such a good job but they have such a long ways to go. Um, Fly track is really popular though. I mean, it seems like they're doing very very well. I see a lot younger people in the stands than, the, than they used to be. Um, what are your thoughts, though, as far as a racer goes? I mean, do you think that there's they're doing enough promotion? Do you think that the uh, the athletes are being used in promotion enough and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think because um, AFT, they have a side company called AFTE, which is American Flat Track Events, so they're now self-promoting their events, and they do such an amazing job. Cameron Gray, he's the... Uh, he's high up in the company. He does such an amazing job with promotion and just making sure everything's perfect. I know he's got employees that are out at the racetrack months ahead of time, already promoting at local dealerships and everything. And every AFTE event, I think there was nine or 12 this year that we went to basically was sold out. One that comes to my mind in my head is um, upstate New York, you know, where I'm from. They uh, completely sold out. They had a turn people away at the box office that day which is the first time that's happened in a flat track event they even had to kick out the mechanics off their grandstands because they had to put the spectators in it and every promoter in the country said why wasn't i involved i wish (laughs) i was that's exactly what i was always trying to pull off yeah chris carr was talking about that on the show He, he said we actually had to boot you know credential holders so we could sell more tickets and we're like oh that's probably never happened yeah, no, it was cool, and 
even like to the aspect where you said using the riders for promotion, you know, um, this weekend I had a talk with Michael Locke about doing some stuff this off season with myself, you know, trying to just help build stories around us because then the fans can feel more involved and that in turn brings more fans to the races, which is what we need. And I think American flat track, you know, if you look at the numbers over the past years, it is growing at such a substantial rate that if we can keep this up, we're going to be doing great. You know, they were even talking about hopefully getting to the supercross numbers and then hopefully supercross having a watch out because flat track's going to be doing so good here in a few years. Colby, on an unrelated 12, it's still flat track uh, topic. What do you do in the off season? Uh, flat track, unlike a number of other um, motorcycle racing series, has what might arguably be called a little bit longer of an off season. Do you go indoor racing at all? Is that something that you partake in? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I actually moved out to Phoenix this summer. So I'm living in Arizona now, and it just cooled off to about 80 degrees. It was 105 two weeks ago, and now it's starting to get fall time. So. I don't do too much indoor. You know, I'm able to actually ride outdoors and in the desert quite a bit, but uh, I definitely try. I'm going to go back to New York here in a few weeks and do some hair scramble racing, and I definitely don't sit on the couch. You know, I'm always on the dirt bike, and I've got a good group of people here that are always willing to take me out in the desert and show me their trails and everything, so it's, it's really fun. I spent the week in Havasu for the Jet Ski World Finals, and I think they need to have a race during that time. I think it would be huge. I think people would go to it. it it'd be there's a lot of people in, in Lake Havasu during that, that jet ski race. I think it would be super cool if somebody put put together an event there. Right, for sure. And maybe an enduro cross. Do it all in one weekend. I'd like super to have it all ticket. there. Yeah. Why, yeah, why not have a uh, motocross race, too? Yeah, why not? So you're going to do some yeah. hair scrambling in New York. Um, I was just looking at Jake Lewis's uh, Instagram about how his brake, his brake caliper broke <laughs> off. And he had his, yeah, dude, he had his. We um, show up to the Team 95 compound. It's <laughs> a side story. Jake shows up, and the first thing, he comes, pulls me to the side. And he's like, hey, I need you to, can you help me adjust my chain quick? <laughs> Every time. he's uh, His mechanic skills, I can safely say they're about a one out of ten. Well, I'll tell you this. The first thing I noticed and pointed out. He cut out, off his uh, mullet, though. Yeah, he did cut off his mullet, but his brake line was routed on the outside of his fork, which is absolutely begging for trouble. And he, I think he was surprised that it, he didn't. I, I was surprised that he didn't know that, but I think he was surprised that he had the thing routed on wrong. Uh, yeah, we I, can we can probably get like a GoFundMe going to send him to MMI or something. <laughs> oh no! Now we're just being hurtful. Jake's a, a a good friend of mine. I've been riding with him since he was a very young kid, and I won't say he's not a good mechanic. He and I tag team dropped his uh, first real nice race bike his first 600 uh i was trying to put it on a stand for him and uh we both did it wrong and next thing you know we were both under it trying to keep it from going all the way onto the ground dude so, and you couldn't help him up with some skills i, mean, I, I after that i paid a little more attention stopped drinking so much in the i was pits. just gonna say were you <laughs> were you were you working or partying at the time it was a track day so uh he was oh, he, it was not an official race event <laughs> I love it. Oh man. Uh what's the where's the hair scramble at, Colby? Uh there's one in uh Palmyra, New York, and one in Batavia, New York. Are you gonna hit two hair scrambles in one weekend? Uh two weekends. Yeah, because my parents still live back in the Finger Lakes area there, so I can go home and hang out with them for a bit. And All right. I've got a bike I left there, so yeah, it'll be good. Rich, you're just gonna fly with your gear bag. 
Uh, yeah, hopefully that's the plan. Awesome. Well, that's cool, man. We're we're uh, we're stoked for you. So next year, what's your program look like? Yeah, next year I'm gonna finally move up to the twins class. You know, I kind of wanted to wait as long as I could. I wanted to try and repeat my title, but I just had so much you know bad luck that either I brought upon or just bad luck in general that kind of held me back from that. But I, you know, I was able to win some races. So next year I'm planning on moving up to the AFT Twins class to ride a Yamaha DT uh, MT07. Excuse me all year and yeah i'm really excited for that you know it's a big step and obviously the guys the pace in the twins class is so much faster and so much more aggressive so i've got a bit to learn but you know i'm already getting started working on testing and everything so i I hopefully at daytona i'm ready and i think uh, of all the races that you guys are going to uh um depending on how your testing goes colby maybe you'll disagree but Daytona is probably the place, uh, if you don't have a totally proven package, where you can at least still ride with the guys. Uh, you know, certainly the recently everyone agrees dominant Indian was n- less than so dominant at Daytona. Yeah, Daytona is definitely like that one place where you can go to not 100% ready, just kind of wing it. And I definitely, that's one of the tracks that I feel really good at. I think I qualified there second this year, and I was on my way to, you know, I think I was, I felt good to, for a podium for sure but a race went until I threw myself down and broke my shoulder. Yeah, you got to be only careful. guy you, only guy we know that uh laughs about that. <laughs> oh, I broke my shoulder. <laughs> oh well. That is yeah, not you gotta, the You got to laugh about it. Yeah, you do cuz it hurts so much. Did you watch the motocross of nations? I tried to catch it here and there when I could. I love watching mud races. Yeah, and if you ask the uh, the boys from France, Italy, Belgium, the Netherlands, all them, all those guys, they're they're like what mud? There's no there's no mud here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they, no, they were they, flying. Yeah, they were. It clear was clear that uh, that's well within their comfort zone. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to me. You know, I just watched the the first moto of the day on Sunday. Uh, Prado, he led for, I don't know if he won it, I had to leave, but he led no. for a good majority of it on that 250. Yeah. That was amazing to me that that 250 was able to, you know, push through the mud better than the 450s. Well, I think it was just the way he was riding it, and he had enough of a gap on those guys behind him, and they didn't have a good start. But, yeah, it's, I mean, and considering that uh, Hurlings went down in the first turn pile up, came all the way back to third i mean yeah we definitely uh there's there's uh if, if there was super cross nations i think we'd have a little different story but uh fortunately it wasn't right. colby carlisle's been our guest colby who do you want to thank before we uh send you off into the sunset of phoenix arizona yeah exactly i gotta go get those tacos um i'd like to thank my team you know Essence and racing for keeping me on board for another few years give me an opportunity to learn the twins class and uh just all my other sponsors that are sticking with me through this it's going to be a great learning experience and i'm very excited for the future all right colby carlisle good job we appreciate it thanks for having me on tonight guys okay we're going to take a break we'll be back a little open conversation we're going to talk about MotoGP in thailand uh, World Superbike Race coming up in Argentina. So much more to go. Stay tuned. This is Pit Pass. This is Geraldo Ferracci, and uh, we're on uh, Pit Pass Radio. And thank you for listening. 
With the tremendous amount of horsepower and torque created by modern dirt bikes, today's racewear must withstand tremendous forces. It must breathe well, be lightweight and protective, yet still durable. Fly Racing created its Evolution 2.0 racewear to fulfill these requirements. Evolution 2.0 features the industry's first BOA closure system race pant designed to provide custom comfort, smooth, even closure, no pressure points, and simple one-handed adjustment. Add to that the Evolution 2.0 ProFit Advanced Ventilation Jersey and Premium Race Glove, and you have Generation Next racewear, built to withstand the extreme conditions created by the modern dirt bike. For more information, visit flyracing.com. It's much more than a piston company. Wiseco now offers a full line of quality performance products, including forged pistons, precision forged clutch baskets and hubs, crankshafts, camshafts, forged connecting rods and valves. At Wiseco, we offer accessories for just about any motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile, personal watercraft, outboard marine engine, or automobile on the market today. After 70 years in the business, Wiseco has established a great reputation as a brand that can be trusted to deliver high quality performance products for power sports enthusiasts and professionals wiseco america's motor racing talk show pit pass motor racing weekly comes your way each sunday morning from 8 to 10 right here on des moines sports station 1460 kxno 1460 KXNO. Passionate about riding motorcycles off-road and on? Well, visit Hickam Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa and see the full line of 2017 Yamaha Dual Sports. From the simple to ride electric start TW200 to the nimble lightweight XT250 to the racing derived performance of the WR250R, Yamaha has your ride. Visit Hickam Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa today. Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Hickam Power Sports in Grimes. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Don't drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Passionate about motorcycles? Ever heard of the saying that you should make a career out of what you love to do? MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com is a state-of-the-art online job board built exclusively for the power sports industry. MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com connects job candidates who are passionate about the motorcycle industry with companies and dealerships that may be looking for you. Upload resumes, receive new job notifications, or just surf the site for your dream job. Turn your passion into a career at MotorcycleIndustryJobs.com. Time out. Drink Swell Vodka, proudly and carefully distilled and filtered in Iowa. Find Swell Vodka in fine stores, restaurants, and bars near you. Like Swell on Facebook. Hi, this is Chris Carr, multi-year flat track racer, former World Land Speed record holder. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. Right, thanks, Chris. I want to give a big shout-out to Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa. You can find Yamaha, Sea-Doo, Can-Am, Beta, KTM, Polaris, all under one roof at Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes. See the friendly staff in Grimes, Iowa, or find them online at hicklinpowersports.com. PJ, what's going on out at Hicklin? We are not remodeling anything this very second, which is a change <laughs> that I welcome. What, what is that? They are constantly what, what are you moving mean? and shaking. We have been constantly, it feels like, remodeling for what also feels like years. Yeah. And I'm sure there's more to come, but right now we're not actively remodeling anything. Or adding anything. Like or a, adding anything you guys, right now. Are you, you guys going to do a tanning salon now that you got hair? <laughs> hair if we had more room, on? I wouldn't write it off. It is pretty long winters here, as we all know. <laughs> we all get a little pasty. But, uh, yeah, we don't have the footprint for that. The barbershop, Garage Gals are doing great, though, at the shop. Uh, I actually really like that. Yep, and you're not the only one. Every one of my friends who I've uh, 
told you need to come in and try it once is now a diehard fan. I, I they only to, go there, and they've to told there. other friends. I'll tell you what. Me, I've grown up at the motorcycle shop, right? My dad owned Country Cycle in Winterset, and uh, I don't even go there now, but the uh, the 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 it was like hanging out at the pool hall. It's where we went, and it was something that was in my lifestyle from the time I was, you know, four or five years old, and until well before that actually I was three years old. When my folks had it, and I mean that's all I did. As soon as I could get out of school, I'd pin it there to get on my bike and ride because we had a track out back. But uh, even and then after my dad sold it and. Um, it changed hands. It was still the place to go. I always just went just to chill at the parts counter. You'd take your lunch. You know, when you're on your lunch break, you'd take your you'd take your lunch to the bike just shop and eat. And just it was just a hangout. And I think that uh, motorcycle shops are they have lost that so much. It is not. It I, is, it's cold when you go into a bike shop. They're there to sell you something. Or and I get that. I mean, that's their gig. That's that's how you keep the lights on. It's just a different deal now. And and I don't know. Maybe some motorcycle shop uh, owners wouldn't wouldn't appreciate me saying that. But I, I really think. Oh yeah, we're getting a whole bunch of texts already. Um, <laughs> but uh, but one thing I do think is cool about Hicklin is is uh, yes, you've gone through a lot of changes with with the uh, um, the remodels and 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 you know you've had bicycles for sale and and you have the barbershop stuff, but. There's there's that atmosphere there, and it's and, and we're continuing. I think that's really where our efforts have really been going to give us enough more room that you're not standing on top of the machines that you're trying to look at. We're trying to give you more room to walk around them. We've got a, a decent waiting area that has free popcorn and chips and water, and you can get right. yourself a decent cup of coffee. Come in and hang out. Go talk to the girls at Garage Gals. Decide if you need a haircut. It's pretty sweet when they do your. When they rub your head, right? It's uh, it's relaxing. <laughs> it, it is relaxing. They do. I find myself almost asleep when it starts happening. It's wonderful. Okay, we got sidetracked. Let's talk about MotoGP in Thailand. All right, Thailand. Uh, well, Marquez continues um, to do his business. Uh, he's not out of reach. He's so close to out of reach. There's four races left, 100 points on the order. He's got a 76-point lead over Dovizio, so all he has to do is... If he can lose less a point or less when he gets to uh, gets to the next one, he's gonna he's gonna wrap up the title. Uh, he all he has to do is score a point, uh, right? Uh, a few points. I mean, it's not just only lose one point to Dovey, and it's a hundred percent done at the next round. If right, Dovey right. if Dovey picks up five points on him, hey, it's still mathematically possible, and you'll have to go to the f- that. But three not likely. Left. I mean, he's got a not likely. There. He's got a super country mile on it. It was Marquez Davizioso, Vinales Rossi at Thailand in finishing order. Um, it's been an interesting season. Pedrosa DNF'd. That I found interesting as well. And as we said, Tony, we've got an upcoming, uh, the penultimate round in World Superbike. For those uh, people like my brother, that means the second to the last one in Argentina. Uh, the final race will be the end of this month, October 25 through 27 in Los, at Los Sale in Cutter. If I said that right, Roman, I've said it right. Yeah. Cutter. Yeah. Cutter. Cutter. All righty. Yes, that was it. We we Cutter. briefly mentioned the Meadowlands Mile when we were talking to our buddy racer there, uh, Colby Carlisle. In the DFT Twins class, it was um, Smith with the win over Mies. Great, you know, great race. 
that was the last race of the season, as we'd mentioned. Carver, then Briar Bauman, Henry Wiles there in uh, what sixth place or fifth place, as it were. J.D. Beach coming out on a twin and pulling in sixth in the main. That's pretty it's ridiculous. Just, it's, it's awesome, but, right, but, that a guy from road racing can come out if after his season's over, not only qualify for the main. But place high. But high. Like, be a factor in the race. But, PJ, let's talk about the the uh, um, between each racer, their finish, the times. At the MotoGP? No, or no, no. no. At, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, Meadowlands. The, at the Meadowlands, the, the first five were within like 0.2 the gaps were 0.2 winner 0.15 0.2 0.3 so you had a lead group of four to five guys that would have been throw a blanket over them at a mile track that had to have been awesome to watch i can't wait to watch it because they rear all this stuff and you can actually go to being or i'm sorry not being but uh <laughs> fans choice fans yeah. choice and see it um and they do re-air the flat tracks as well uh on uh one of the channels that which I get, so I've been watching the flat tracks just a week or two later. So you say that they they, they could have thrown a blanket over the top six, and it sounded like they needed to. It was cold. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, was a little chilly. chilly, and we didn't get to ask Colby. That was a little question I wanted to ask him. I wonder how much you know. That's a lot colder. I would assume it's like road racing, wouldn't you? They've got to have a different compound tire for that much colder. Nah, no. it's flat track tire. Everybody's got the uh, same one. Go race. I think so. Huh. Yeah, I would think I it'd be a different compound. Speaking though. of tires, um, the, uh, the did you notice that the European teams all came out with like tire warmers over their tires at the mo- at the motocross this nations this weekend? Oh. So they had clean tires when they got to the metal grate starting grid, or the metal grate start starting yeah, pad. Well, so they weren't you? heating them; they were just keeping the mud out well, of them from packing. Um, probably yeah. a little bit of both. I uh, doubt that they were heating them, but heating them's not going to do anything for you, d- is it? Not in the mud. You're just making the rubber softer. It's just. It's. I think it's just something that they had them with them yeah and the united states didn't do that and and, and you know and, then they and, look like they're more prepared and i think you know they we were we've, more prepared i've been uh, obviously because i was on the road I, I was looking at social media a lot and i was looking at ricky carmichael and brian deegan and, and guys that i respect and you know and i think they're talking about how they want to make <coughs> excuse me everybody agrees that ricky carmichael should should be the team coach and you know and you look at the french team and as soon as they get off the track they're going back to brief the other riders on their team like you know they're they're track conditions yeah everything share knowledge here's a line that i found late in the race over here or or whatever or you can make the loracos leap even though they put a giant glob of dirt in front of it you know stuff like that and i think two of the guys on the u.s team probably did do that uh they probably did talk to each other i think the other teammate uh who rides on now a different bike now you're speculating roman i'm not speculating I, i'm just kind of going off of how that guy plays his cards typically and i mean it is what it is uh we just and not we had aaron on and you know they're a lot better than i am 10 times now aaron's a great guy and and, and you know what the, the with barsha though i mean we give him a lot of credit because because he's done such a 180 this year. But you think about uh, um, the 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 Justin Barsha two years ago when nobody would touch him. Yeah, he was he is a changed man. I'll tell you that, and I'm and I hope it's not just for us media and us fans. No, I, I think it's I think it's it did change him. It humbled him, and and I think he had he 
figured out he had to change himself in order to kind of mature, grow up, and I think it just made him a better person. Do you think there was a better – we could have sent any different riders with a different result? Obviously, T- Eli Tomac is the best in the United States. We, there, there should be no question about that. Do you think there's any other 250F rider or other any other big bike rider that could uh, – I mean, Plessinger is the champ too. Barsha, you know, he's he's he was very solid at the end of the season. No, I, I think we were – who we were with. That was a solid group of guys. Yeah. You you can't pull one of them and say, this guy would have been way better. I don't see it. Unless we could have got Marvin with a, you know. Marvin <laughs> Marvin with an alternate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, Team France, we're going to yeah. go ahead and take your guy that you didn't want. But, hey, we're talking about how All Team he wanted Fran- was a passport. How about every? How about everybody saying that, uh, uh, you know, that they, hey, they were screwing they were, up by not picking Marvin Miskin, and, and they don't look like dummies, the that's for sure. No, no, no. They... Everybody got lucky. Everybody. Because had Cal, uh, Cal, Calvin Verlandrin even placed a couple of points higher out of his race, it had been done. The way the points ran out, the Netherlands would have won that thing going away, hands down. Yeah. Had Verlander not got hit with a rock in the eye and then right. not been able to contest the rest of the weekend. Yeah, they wouldn't let him, right? They would not. Right. He wanted to. The doctor said, "No, you're out. You're done." Oh wow. Yeah, that's. He's got to be. He's got to be bummed going home, you know. But uh, so their season is over. Over. In, yeah. So what are, what are those guys? I mean, this is like the final, the perfect timing for them because they can. They are. They are absolutely in the grind and and. Well, and their season, season ending. And their season is so much longer than ours. I mean just in the motocross scene they start in february and then they're done in 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 september yeah they take a couple of breaks here and there but i mean they take some long ones actually long ones yes but they race calendar wise Mm -hmm. almost like our regular motocross season is here in the states with with amateur racing i think we're seeing a shift in in racing in the united states and that us us older i mean i'm 41 so i'm i am a different era than than some than a lot of the uh the fans out there and the racers but if uh i think we're in a real we've we've had a shift in in focus to supercross and that's where everybody's focused on a pro level that's where everybody focuses that's where the money is that's where you know that uh you know we even have the the outdoor of supercrosses is well, I guess that'd be Daytona. I was thinking of Monster Cup that's coming this <laughs> weekend. Daytona, yeah, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. it's definitely all geared and driven towards Supercross. Which, so, which my wife is not a fan of whatsoever. Why? Hates watching it. Really? Yep. Because of the Monster Girls? No, she thinks it's a just <laughs> good guess. Go good no, guess though. Uh-uh. <laughs> she just thinks it's stupid. She thinks it should be an outdoor. I, I think it's great. I think they're both great. I just think that. Um, I think that so much emphasis is on Supercross that it's going to be a long time before we see a I don't know a competitive uh, motocross as nations U.S. Hey, team. So but, I hope I'm wrong. But all right, uh, I want to say a big thanks to our guest Aaron Pussinger, who uh, was just at this race that we're talking about. Kyle Redman, enduro cross racer. Ryan McCarthy from Rhino Power. Bryce Prince, a uh, fast road racer, and Colby Carlisle, the uh, um, the gentleman we caught getting on a skateboard for tacos the aft flat track singles racer who finished just behind shane at texture this weekend wouldn't get us any either 
I want to thank all of our listeners out there. We appreciate you tuning in each and every week. I'm Tony Wink for Roman Avila, PJ Doran, Jack and Leanne DeLeon, Tommy Borhauerson, Chris Bishop, Scott Casper, and Ed Kuhlenkamp. So long. Next week. We'll see you then. Thanks. May I have your attention, please? Excuse me. <clears throat> Are you listening to me? Thank you. The preceding was an exclusive presentation of Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, a division of Pit Pass Radio LC. Any use of this copyrighted material without the express written consent of Pit Pass Radio LC is strictly prohibited. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast